Hello and welcome to I Heard It on a Podcast, our little corner of the Wild West, Rawhide. <laughs> My name is Riley. That caught me so off guard. You don't even need to know my name. That's enough. We're done. <laughs> you remember Goodbye. last week when I said that I was going to add a uh-huh. Western thing to uh-huh. every one of my intros? Uh-huh. This week is Ride. <laughs> like the TV show. You know, the classic 70s TV show. Please pause the for only, research. Yeah, the only old TV show I think I've ever watched is MacGyver. Uh, this, oh, this is from like 1959 to 1965. Dang, son. But I still knew about it. <laughs> Rawhide. Rawhide. <laughs> anyway, my anyway, name's Isaiah. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> yeah. This week, uh, this week, every week is Topic Thunder. But also this week, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this episode, I, uh-huh. I meant to say, is Topic mm. Thunder. It is. And um, <laughs> and Isaiah will die. I choked on water. <laughs> if you choke on water, does that mean you drown? Like even if you're just drinking? Um, I don't know. You'd have to ask an uh, uh, mortician. Mor- mortician? Are they the ones that do autopsies? We should not talk an, about this. Aut- <laughs> this is our first topic. Autopsologist. <laughs> <laughs> We're not talking about. We're not talking morgues about today. We're instead talking about. Weird careers that people have, and we are going to pick the new careers yes. that we're going to have. Because, you know, we're both kind of bored with our jobs, and they're just too good. So we want something that challenges us. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, we're also having a, a debate of sorts about what the best, most beautiful form of art is. We have different opinions. Your art is the most beautiful art out of all of the art. Oh, Are you talking it's to me specifically? Quote. No. Oh. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> um, and then we're gonna just shoot the breeze. Yep. We don't know what we're gonna talk about. We were yet. gonna do this last time that we talked about pizza, and yeah. then we talked about pizza for an hour, and we didn't have <laughs> yeah. time to just talk about whatever. So yeah, uh, this might be the week. Maybe we'll, we'll, find, we'll out. find out. But back to the careers. Yes. So I have curated, and by curated, I mean I googled and found one list. Yeah. Um, it's my kind of curation. <laughs> a list of. The weirdest careers in the world. I have 17 of them. And basically, I'm just going to read through this list. We'll kind of go at a 30,000-foot view. Okay. Because I don't have, you know, pay or anything like that. It's just what they do. And then we are each going to pick our new um, life purpose and choose one of these careers. Well, first off, do you think your career is your life purpose? (laughs) Uh, Like right now or one of these? (laughs) That's That's kind of a deep question. About, uh, like I'm basically asking, what do you think life's purpose is? <laughs> well, it might be to be a snake milker. <laughs> Our first career is snake milking. Okay. Um, snake milkers extract venom from some of the world's most dangerous snakes, like rattlesnakes and cobras. The extracted venom is often used to create anti-venom for hospital or laboratory use, and can be sold for up to a thousand dollars per gram. So basically, the way this works is you just <laughs> catch snakes, and then you like squeeze their heads and teeth like fangs to extract venom and then you release them again. So pretty self-explanatory, but also very odd. Yeah, I saw a, uh, what is that? What's that YouTube channel of the guy that does crazy stuff? The wild, outdoor wild something. I'm looking, I'm okay. subscribed right to him. Nice. <laughs> I don't even remember. <laughs> 
Maybe I'm not subscribed. That's awkward. Anyway, <laughs> it's a guy on YouTube who's like actually pretty popular, like millions of views on his channel. And he does a lot of crazy stuff like get bit by poisonous bugs and spiders and huh. snakes and stuff in a controlled environment. Like he will have the whatever, or he won't get bit by stuff that is dangerous. Right. But I saw a video of him working with snake milkers. Huh. Is that what they're called? Yeah. Snake just milkers. Sounds, such a weird word. So I've seen a video of people like actually doing this. They pull the snake out of the little control box uh-huh. and grab them by the like base of the head uh-huh. and then corral them over and they're like, ha! and yeah. the snake attacks the little jar with the plastic thing on top. Yeah. And, and the venom just sprays out into yeah, the jar. Yeah. It's crazy. It is crazy. Looking. Can you imagine scary. if your whole point of life was just to like attack this inanimate object so that people could harvest you for your bodily fluids? I can. Oh, <laughs> okay. Well, we won't dive into that. Let's move on to our next career. Um, and we can go back over these at okay. the end just as a quick refresher. Um, the next, this one is interesting. The next career is an odor judge. Um, this person performs odor tests to odor tests it's hard to say to rate the effectiveness of hygiene products like soaps and body washes deodorant and mouthwashes depending on what products are being studied judges smell subjects armpits feet or breath and rate their odors on a scale of one to ten during one odor tester's 15-year career she sniffed approximately 5600 feet and an indeterminate indeterminate number of armpits for which she won the guinness world record for the most feet and armpits sniffed (laughs) Uh, I I already know that this is not my the career I'm switching to, okay. but I feel like I have seen this in the Guinness Book of World Records. A picture of a woman who's got like short cropped hair holding up up a guy's elbow and sniffing his armpit. Yeah, I mean, you pretty much just described this photo on this website. Yep. It's like yeah. the exact same thing you were picturing. Yep. So I guess there's like a stereotype for the people who do this job. I guess so. <laughs> okay. What is the purpose of it again? To it's like to test? test the effectiveness of hygiene products to see if they have eliminated odors. Okay. So like making sure deodorant works and so there's not I mean, like a machine that can detect number of odor particles in Okay, so let's get scientific about this. I actually know a little bit about Of course you do. odors. <laughs> um so the reason that your at least sweat smells is because of the bacteria in it, right? Most people uh-huh. know that. And the byproduct of them, you know, eating and living is volatile volatile organic compounds or vox. And they actually have limits on these like for emissions for like cars and um, oil production and stuff like uh-huh. that because it's like a greenhouse gas. Um, so fun fact, you are part of the greenhouse effect in a very small way. Yeah. But that's the reason that your, you know, odor smells. So technically they could measure volatile that's really hard to say too man volatile organic compounds with like scientific spectrometers but it wouldn't be as accurate as our noses are because there's a lot of them that we can't smell or that smell in different like intensities i guess Uh to us and so while they could measure for vocs it wouldn't be accurate to tell us if it actually is reducing smell or not which is what it's supposed to be doing rather than right eliminating and or killing every single right. yeah yeah because then you just hand sanitizer yourself all the time which is not good for you yeah <laughs> oh man so that's that's the next one okay all right um this one i don't know if we're eligible for 
this is, I mean, technically we could be eligible for it because we can't be discriminated against in the United States, right? Um, this career is a professional bridesmaid. And uh, this just says that professional bridesmaids basically are just like undercover personal assistant type bridesmaids. Undercover? Sometimes undercover. Sometimes they're just like PAs. But this is like, they're like a bridesmaid in your wedding. So they're like kind of blending in, I guess. But they're basically just there to be your PA. So they just kind of do things that you tell them to do and like make sure your wedding goes well. But then they're in your wedding party so they can, I don't know. It's, I don't understand, but apparently people can pay up to $2,000 per wedding for this. So some someone makes two grand per wedding to just like be in the wedding party and do what people tell them to do. If they're the pull, no, I don't want to get into it. Um, I've always kind of dreamed of being a someone's assistant, uh-huh. and I could get into this. Yeah. Maybe not like being the actual bridesmaid, but right. Maybe there's a groomsman version yeah. of this. I can or see this being just, useful, like. If you're planning a wedding and like the groom has like six friends, but the bride has five and they just need like someone yeah. to fill up so that there's not just like one groomsman walking down the aisle by themselves. Cause you know, that's something you have to take into account when you're planning the wedding is like getting an even balance. And then they also book the florist. Yeah. And, and they just coordinate take care with of the catering. And they bring you Starbucks on the day and just like all that good stuff, you know? Yeah. So it could be useful. I can see it helping, but okay. Um, Next is an iceberg mover. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, I know. This escalated quickly. Um, an iceberg mover became a profession after the disastrous sinking of the Titanic in 1912. The International Ice Patrol, real thing. Someone was like, oh, we should probably have someone do deal with these. <laughs> yeah, they're kind of killing people. The International Ice Patrol, which was founded a year later, is operated by the U.S. Coast Guard. It tracks the location of icebergs and provides safe routes around them. If necessary, the iceberg will be towed out of the area. So your job would basically be to map, um, track, and tow icebergs. <laughs> I like this one. It's pretty legit. It's also probably pretty dangerous. Probably, but you would have such a cool view all the time. Yeah, it'd be great. I would do that for fun probably get to see like At whales and maybe, maybe some seals yeah yeah cool stuff okay um the next one is a professional mourner um mm. professional mourners attend funerals and grieve for the deceased a company in england called rent a mourner <laughs> specializes a in this name. industry offering mourners for two hours for roughly 70 dollars so two hours for 70 dollars yeah that's so you, pretty cheap yeah, I, I mean to hire like, a dude for two hours. Yeah, to but you to can't be hire fair, someone to do two hours of work. Yeah. for pretty much to do anything for that cheap. But to be fair, he doesn't really have to do anything. He just sit there and be sad, Look solemn. Yeah, <laughs> this yeah. would be hard for me because I can't just like fake being sad. So I'd just be sitting there like, oh, smiling, hi. <laughs> yeah. So this probably isn't the job for me. Okay. Um. Okay. <laughs> the next one on this list is a dog surfing instructor. It it is what it says. It's at like resorts. What, what do they instruct besides like teaching the dog to not get off of the surfboard? They that's it. They teach a dog how to surf. But that's not how to surf. Well, you don't they teach, teach a dog like, how to not fall off. A they surfboard. don't teach him to like paddle and then pop up on the board and shift their weight and. They okay. So they basically. 
overcharge people to keep their dog on a surfboard. <laughs> Could be lucrative. I would be interested in this one, not because I necessarily like working with dogs or definitely not like working with people who like doing this kind of thing yes. to their dog. But you probably get to work, live in a cool beachy yeah, area. Totally. And make more than those professional mourners do an hour. Totally. And this says most most resorts, it's like a combination class. So they teach you and your dog how to surf. Oh. But there are some resorts that offer strictly only dog classes. Yeah, that's what I would want to do. And have the owners like, all right, see you in three hours. Yeah. And then just like Which, hang out with the dog. For yeah. It's kind. I mean, it's kind of like dog babysitting because if you go on vacation with your dog and you're kind of sick of like watching your dog and you just want to go lay on the beach, then you can yeah. take them. It's like you a little activity for a while they're at daycare. Six hundred dollars for them to learn to not surf. Oh man! If any of you are paying this much money to take your dog on vacation, take me instead. <laughs> I'll be much more fun than a dog. I promise. That's enough to fly to Barcelona. Yeah, listen to last Monday's episodes or this Monday's or the one that just Two days happened. Ago. Yeah, that one. Okay. Um, next is the Panda Nanny or just a Panda Nanny, I guess. Um, there's a place called the Giant Panda Protection and Research Center. Center. <laughs> I can't talk tonight, guys. This is bad considering my only job is to talk right now. Um, the Giant Panda Protection and Research Center is in China's Sichuan province and it is in 2014, this might not be relevant anymore, announced its search for panda cub caretakers. Um, Contenders face several elimination rounds, including a top 500 list, top 50 list, top 10 list, and a final media event competition before getting the gig. Your work has only one goal, (laughs) spending 365 days with the pandas and sharing in their joys and sorrows. I'm sure that they received millions of applications. That sounds like an incredible job. Yeah. There's a picture here of just a lady holding a panda bear, like a little baby panda bear. It's pretty cute. And so they, what, they just hang out with pandas? I'm guessing so. They I mean, like feed them and... This is more of like a promotional thing, I think, because there's more to, you know, having a panda live than just hanging out with it. Yeah. So, but supposedly it's a career, so... You For know. like one person? Uh, it looks like maybe five to ten people. Ten people? You don't need ten people to look after three pandas. Well, hopefully they have more pandas. The goal is to make more pandas. Oh, this is like the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. you said this is the yeah. panda protection... The giant panda protection research center, which I can't say. Oh, my God. The GPPR... Wait. G- GPPRC. Yeah, GPPRC. It's a cool acronym. Okay, uh, next... <laughs> Is a professional mermaid, or I guess merman in our case. Uh-huh. Um, we have the bodies for this. <laughs> Speak for yourself. A professional mermaid can make a decent amount of money performing at parties and teaching others how to swim like a mermaid. Basically, you dress up like a mermaid and go to a kid's pool party and pretend to be a mermaid. Um, you can be, actually become a licensed mermaid. That's cool. Um, there's a Montreal-based company called Aqua Mermaid, and they charge... $4,000 for a five-day training course. This sounds like a pyramid scheme or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or code for something else. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, that's, I mean, that's easy. You have to spend 300 bucks on a mermaid costume and then... Wasn't there a product that you could buy that 
attached your feet so that it looked like you were a mermaid in your pool, but then kids drowned using it like several years ago. It was the goal was like to have a more efficient like swimming. It was like something for swimming that would attach your ankles together and give you like a fin so you could propel yourself more efficiently. Uh But then the downside is your feet are stuck together. So if you get tired and you need to stand up, you can't. (laughs) Yeah. So that's probably why you need to pay $4,000 to be licensed to make sure that you can you have the stamina to be a mer person. Right. <laughs> it's totally not a pyramid scheme. We're legit. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The next career is a face feeler. Um, I'm out. <laughs> this is kind of like the uh, odor scientist or specialist or scent tester or whatever it was called. Um, they're also known as sensory scientists, and they're trained to use their hands to judge the effectiveness of products like lotions, face, facial cleansers, and razors. Um, so you basically touch people's faces to see if the products have worked, like a before and after kind of thing. So you like stroke their cheek to feel if Gillette's new seven. Yeah, so you stroke it seven with razor. hair and then without hair, and then you compare. Um, this says face feelers typically work part time, but they can earn up to twenty five dollars an hour. It's not too bad, as a you know, night job. So weird. I mean, I guess <laughs> it makes sense, but so weird. Uh-huh. There's a lot of things in the like cosmetics industry that I don't want to know about. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'll just take your word for it, Gillette, that this is better than the last one. I don't you need don't to know to about the face feelers. Prove it. <laughs> don't show me footage of it. <laughs> mm, that's nice. <laughs> it's not my kink. Okay. The next is a professional cuddler. Um, it, it is what it is. People pay you to cuddle with them when they're lonely or I whatever. saw this on Rhett and Link. You can skip it. Okay. <laughs> you can make up to $80 an hour being a professional cuddler, and all you really have to do is lie there. Well, I think that there's like, you got to caress your leg in the right way and whisper sweet nothings in your ear. Or No, that's getting on to something else. They charge more for that. <laughs> no, I think, I mean, you don't just lay there. I mean, you've got to like put your arm around their shoulder yeah. and like cuddle. But is it just silent, or do you say like you are worth your? You, do you like reassure them, or do you? I don't know. It, I mean, it would be kind of awkward this, if it was totally silent. Do you at least make small talk? <laughs> this kind of small. So how about this weather? <laughs> this kind of seems like a freelance thing. I don't think there's like yeah. companies that can do this legally. You can't get endorsed in Montreal for four thousand dollars. Yeah. So I mean, I feel like you can kind of make your own rules. If it was me, which. I wouldn't do this job either, but I would definitely like charge extra because at that point you're kind of becoming like a therapist and that's... Or a bartender, you just listen. Yeah, but if you say therapist, you charge more. <laughs> well, you have to be licensed to be a therapist. Well... You have to go to Montreal and pay $4,000. <laughs> I think I think cuddling people for money is kind of a legal gray area anyway. So <laughs> I think that's what Phoebe did in Friends. Really? No. Oh. But... I never that was thought a joke, so. And so no. I know. As soon as I said it, I was like, oh, you don't watch Friends, never mind. This is for the audience. Let's move on. That's how they have such a huge apartment in an expensive city. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. The next career is a professional TV watcher. Um, pro TV watchers typically scan through different shows and cl- news clips to find the right clips that can be used on television shows or news programs. So this is basically like... Um, kind of finding highlight reels i guess so like the example they have here is for jimmy kimmel um finding people to like find highlight reels or like make montages or whatever for his show um they'd pay five or six hundred bucks a week so it's kind of like a another side gig or like a i don't know if you're 
really cheap, then you could do this as a career, but it's not super well-paying necessarily. There's for sure machine learning or AI or some algorithm that will be able to do this, if yeah. not already, very soon. This and, career is on its way out. And plus, could you imagine all the stuff you'd have to watch that wouldn't even be fun? Like all of Jimmy Kimmel? <laughs> <laughs> Got him. Okay, next is an ash artist. Um, <laughs> so this one uh, is weird. That's kind of the point of the segment this one's really weird they create uh glass sculptures out of your loved one's remains oh that you can wear around your neck oh so i'll show you some pictures here they're basically just like glass like they look pretty they look pretty until you realize they're made out of human remains (laughs) and then that gets kind of weird like oh my grandma's always she always feels so close to me she's because close to your heart. she's here on my neck. <laughs> I would be nervous to wear something like that cuz what if you what if the chain breaks while you're walking over a grate or something and grandma's gone forever. Yeah. I mean, I've always been a fan of the like scattering ashes. I mean, I th- we've talked about this not on the podcast, but just in our lives about how I want my body to like be sent into space like on a collision course with a comet so that I like smash into a comet and explode. Well, that's after you die on a jet ski on your 80th birthday. Yes. So <laughs> it'll be like picking up the pieces of me and then sending me into space into a comet. This is going to be an expensive <laughs> like funeral, but it's going to be legit. And who knows, maybe by then it'll be cheap to like just launch stuff just willy launch nilly into space. Garbage into space. Yeah, it's not like it needs to like have a guidance system. Not that system you're garbage, but your body <laughs> wow, garbage. I see how it is. <laughs> But yeah, we'll probably get to that point at some point knowing humanity. Let's just launch our trash into space and deal with it later. <laughs> yeah. That's like Wally 2.0. Yeah. So, okay. So anyway, ash artist is a thing. Okay. Um next is a professional foreigner. Um what? <laughs> so this is a thing in China. Chinese companies will pay people up to $1,000 a week to don a suit and shake hands with Chinese businessmen, while others will hire foreigners to attend real estate events and pose as celebrities because it is a widespread belief in China that if foreigners are at an event, the whole thing is bumped up to another level. So basically you like lend legitimacy to your business by having like Americans at your business function. I, this is now in the top running Nice for this list. The only downside is like, Having to live in a foreign country, probably all alone, just yeah. to fill an empty void in your job. Yeah. But other than that, it sounds <laughs> great. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. This one is gross. Um, you could be a professional dog food taster. Human. Nope, we understand it. You can move on. Yeah. They are hired by pet food companies to test the quality of their products. They also evaluate the nutritional value, and it says they usually spit out the food once they've tasted it. Usually. Usually. Unless it's really good, and then, you know, free food. Yeah, like milk bones. Those are pretty good. I actually knew some people who would keep those in their, like, survival kits, Mm. because apparently they keep really well, and they're, like, calorically dense. But I was like, no, I'd rather die. (laughs) You'd rather die than eat a milk bone? Seriously? No. I'd rather die than eat 80 milk bones. You talk a big game about survivalists. Yeah, there's a there, there's a certain number of milk bones I would eat before I die, and it's definitely less than eighty. Okay. Um. Okay. This next one. It sounds it sounds wrong. It's not wrong, but just don't clutch your pearls when I say it. Okay. <laughs> this next one is a chicken sexer. <laughs> My stars. <laughs> My pearls. 
Um, the chicken sexers determine the sex of a chick. Um, it says relying heavily on intuition, which I don't know why you that need the intuition. Right. Just like go down there and look. But maybe I don't know enough about the anatomy of a chicken that maybe it's more difficult than that. But basically they just tell if a chicken is a boy or a girl so they can separate them out. Okay. Uh, they can make up to $60,000 a year wow. in the UK and Japan. All They're right. not a thing in America, so you'd have to move again for this one. But hey, okay, uh, professional lion stander is the next one. I've actually known people who have done this for money, like a Black Friday or like releases. Mm-hmm. And all you do is you get paid to stand in line on you know Black Friday or whatever. Um, it says rates vary, but one professional lion stander made up to $1,000 a week. But that doesn't seem like a really consistent. No, it's like he made a thousand dollars in a week and nothing for the rest of the <laughs> <Yeah>. year. <laughs> but hey, it could be fun. I mean, there's a lot of times when stuff comes out and I don't really have anything better to do. I mean, I might as well just go get paid to watch Netflix on my phone instead of on my TV. You know, I guess if you don't have a job or if you can just do your well, job like standing in line. And the thing is, most of the stuff is like a night thing, like Black Friday or like uh, an electronic release or a video game release where you line up like overnight. And so most people don't want to do that, you know? Unless it's the last Harry Potter book, then it's like five days. Hey, more money. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> you just pay someone who's got a lower rate than you to sit in line when you're not there. Yeah. And you just keep cycling it down. Yeah. And okay. they pay someone else. Yep. And they, Until you finally get to the lowest, yeah. con- like a homeless dude sitting there getting paid 10 bucks to sit in line. Uh, yeah. That's capitalism for you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Next is a fortune cookie writer. This would be Ooh, fun. I would like would to do fun. this. Um, fortune cookie manufacturers usually hire freelancers or in-house writers to come up with inspiring or witty fortunes. Um, they're estimated to earn, on average, $40,000 a year. So okay. it's not terrible. It seems like if I, had a, I could just have like a really creative three days in the year and bang out like 70 fortunes yeah. and then slowly drip them out over the course of yeah. three months and there then you go. that's my job so it'd be a great job for a teacher because like you could take the summer to just like bust out fortunes yeah yeah there you go teachers we've got you covered yeah. we've made up There's your low probably salary like 12 fortune writers in the whole world though that's so. why they're all the same <laughs> yeah i think we should i love this idea and i think we've talked about this before but like having a funny fortune cookie because like all fortune cookies are like you know cheesy and inspiring and kind of yeah. vague i want like anti-fortunes or like hilarious things like take the fortune of the person to your right or something like that. i don't know that was a bad one i wouldn't be good at this at least right <laughs> off the bat i'd have to kind of practice but you know something funny or like the cards against humanity of fortunes is kind of what i would start oh uh don't steal my idea please <laughs> i'd be curious how that would work if you just opened it in like panda express and it said your house will burn down tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Stuff like that. That'd be great. Okay. Um, so that's the end of this list. So let's I'll recap real quick and then we'll pick. Okay. So we have snake milker, odor judge, professional bridesmaid, iceberg mover, professional mourner, dog surfing instructor, panda nanny, professional mermaid, face feeler, <laughs> professional cuddler, professional TV watcher, ash artist, professional foreigner, dog food taster, chicken sexer, and professional line stainer, and lastly, fortune cookie writer. So what is your new career and why? Right now I'm torn between iceberg mover and professional foreigner. Okay. Both of which 
I think would let me see the world. Um, at least a different part of yeah. it. <laughs> a very specific, like one of them is icebergs. <laughs> the other one is like hotel business conference rooms. <laughs> yeah. Well, right now my world is, well, I not right now, but my job is right now kind of hotel business conference rooms. So right. maybe I, uh, that's a good point. It's iceberg mover. Okay. Just because I have this vision. One of my bucket list goals is to stand up paddleboard through icebergs. Oh, it sounds cold. Yeah, it would be really cold, <laughs> but it would be cool. Nice. Good it. pun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really good pun. <laughs> um, so this is like the next level of it. I go around and I hook it, hook the iceberg or throw <laughs> like a net around it. it. Yeah. Get along, little buggy. <laughs> and then I just tow it somewhere else. <laughs> I don't know how it works. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. I'm sure it's just on-the-job training. You just show up, and they're like, yeah. all right, move that iceberg over there. <laughs> Figure <laughs> it out. You <laughs> <laughs> well, you just get out and push it. Just kayak up to it and start poking it with your <laughs> with paddle. Your paddle. <laughs> well, we should job hunt together because I also choose iceberg mover. I think this is obviously We could do the it together. Yeah. We'll buy our own boat, and then we'll figure out how to move icebergs. Start our own company, mm-hmm. Iceberg we'll the, Movers uh, Inc. Yeah, because there's already I- International Ice Patrol, so we'll be the triple I. And Iceberg, we'll... what's the middle one? What's the middle I? Iceberg. Didn't we just say it? Movers Oh, Inc. Movers. We'll be IMI. Isn't that the Impossible <laughs> Missions Force from Mission Impossible? That acronym's taken. <laughs> okay. Anyway, cool. Well, I'm we'll glad we're on the same it. page. Yeah, this is going to be a good career. I'll yeah. put it in my two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, well, should we move on to our next topic? Yeah. I forgot what it is. It's it's a discussion, it's a debate about what the most beautiful form of art is. Ah, right. I have the best answer, so I'm going to let you go first. Okay, well, <laughs> I also have the best answer. Mm-hmm. So... In my opinion, the most visually beautiful art uh, style or art form is photography. I love photography. It like evokes emotions in me, which like painting, I don't get painting. Painting doesn't really emoke, emoke, oh my gosh, evoke emotions in me like photography does. So that's, in my opinion, the most visually beautiful, but... I was thinking about this question and I think there's a lot of different ways to judge like beauty or um, like greatness of art. And one of them is like function and complexity. And for that reason, I think another most beautiful (laughs) piece of art is computer code because it just can do so many things in so many different ways. And it's kind of an art form to try to figure out how to make it do what you want and you can like make it look cool and put emojis in it and stuff like that so yeah (laughs) so your argument is that you can make it look cool look cool and put emojis in it and stuff so yeah (laughs) (laughs) well i don't know what i'm arguing against yet so you have to tell okay that's a good point (laughs) i think that the most beautiful form of art is opera can you give us an example? <laughs> of opera? Yes. You want me to sing it? Yes. No, because my <laughs> my argument is that I'm I'm also I'm kind of cheating honestly because opera 
is just the Italian word for work. Really? Uh huh. <laughs> and I think I think so. I googled it a little bit ago. Anyway, <laughs> it's not just singing. It is the confluence of acting oh, and that's singing. That's our vocabulary count. We're at four for the year. Okay, I was gonna say it is the height, the confluence, <laughs> the epitome of all true forms of art. Nice. That's that's what I had worked up. That's like my one. Phrase your liner. Yeah, that's my one liner. <laughs> anyway, opera is a combination of acting and singing and lyricism, which some call poetry, and scenery building and costuming and instrumentalism and sometimes dance. My point is, those are all very important pillars of cultural displays of art, and they all are coming together in opera. There are some really famous operas, and I watched a live stream at the in, in like uh, March or April, a, like a pre-recording, but it was live streamed uh-huh. on some channel of Turandot, which is a famous Puccini uh, opera that the Met did. You've heard of the Met? It's the Metropolitan yes. Opera Company that's based in New York City, and it was <laughs> I. I think I cried. It was so beautiful. <laughs> the costumings and the sets were so extravagant and the singing was so passionate. And just to hear it's a big show. The the cast is like 50 or 60 people on stage at a time, which is amazing. There's not a lot of shows that do that, but it's set in it doesn't matter. That that specific show is really amazing, but opera a lot of times is defined by its grandiose and extravagant nature which is just really cool and really fascinating to see amazing set pieces and extravagant costumes and people bearing their soul through song and through acting uh, sometimes i will i will admit sometimes the acting is kind of over the top and a little cheesy dramatic, a yeah. little dramatic but that's because most of the things that happen in operas are overly dramatic events most of the time at least one person dies usually several people die and true loves are split apart from each other and kingdoms collapse and worlds are divided you know it's it's yeah. large scale stuff right. that happens in opera and i love the large immense grandiose nature of opera and the the com- the bringing together of all of these different forms of art like set design and costuming and writing beautiful lyrics and singing and acting into the form of opera kind of does feel like cheating honestly to answer this question and say that this is the best form of art because the combination of all those things in my opinion is what makes it the best. Okay, well, I have a an argument. Okay. That is also kind of a cheating argument because if you think about it, basically all of our art consumption for the most part nowadays is built with computer code, which means really computer code is the art that holds all of the other art together. Because <laughs> if you think about it, you go to listen to music, you listen you know, on your phone. So boom, it's you're listening to computer code, basically. And if you want to look at photos, you go on Instagram. 
and boom, you're looking at computer code. <laughs> and if you want to watch a movie, you go on to HBO or Netflix and then you have to watch computer code, you know? So basically all of the art that we consume boils down to computer code. Even the live stream you watched, you weren't really watching opera. You were just watching computer code make opera. How about that? So are you arguing that the nature of computer code is what's beautiful or the people that create computer code are the artists and that's what's beautiful? I'm arguing that the set designers and the costume creators and the singers and actors and dancers, the artists are creating the most true form of art and without them, it would not exist. But when you click on an Instagram page, no one created that art except for the person that took the picture, which is not right. computer code. Right. It's, I'm, I think I'm arguing both. I think I'm arguing because a lot of people make a lot of beautiful things with computer code, like websites or you know platforms for people to share stuff. So uh -huh. in that sense, that's beautiful art. But also the way it's used is also kind of an art form. You know, it enables people to use art. What's more beautiful than, you know, letting people make art. It's like the most artistic thing in the world. See, this is kind of cheating, and I'm not really super convinced in my answer, but I'm just arguing, and this is a good <laughs> way to do it. <laughs> so you're saying the, the ability to enable others to make art or share mm -hmm. content or surf the internet or whatever they do with computer code yeah. is the art itself. Yeah, and... Also, the fact that it's kind of like infinitely replicatable, so like or duplicatable, because <clears throat> there's only one Mona Lisa, right? Yeah. But there's, you know, several hundred thousand, if not several million copies of Infinity War, you know, that you can just watch and have your own personal copy. So uh -huh. it does make it less like valuable, but it also makes it more easily accessible. And which is more, which is more important to you? Um, Do you think hmm. people care about the accessibility of Infinity War or the intangibility and specialness of the Mona Lisa? If, let me phrase that a different way and you can tell me if this is a, an okay way of phrasing this. If I had the choice between getting the Mona Lisa and having it, like owning it and it being okay. mine, but never being able to watch Netflix, listen to Spotify, look at pictures on Instagram, basically do any of that digital stuff that mm. kind of makes up our lives today, I would not choose to have the Mona Lisa. I would rather keep my life the way it is with all of the digital stuff that I can do. Is that an adequate way of answering that question? It, it doesn't seem like those are equals. <laughs> um, but I understand what you're getting at. It's definitely less of like a one amazing thing for more of just like you're living more consistently in it. What if you had to either pick to only access art as you're defining it, uh -huh. which is very broadly, only access it through computer code, uh -huh. which is also defined pretty broadly, or only access it through the world like you can only see print copies of photography or real performances of opera or go to an actual art museum 
or、mm. or listen to live music? It's a hard question. But if you pick the computer code, yeah, you can never go to another museum. You、right. can never go to another live show. But I can also have any of that art anytime I want. You know, like any any way, any time, any any piece of art, right? The recorded. Manufactured、right. digital version of right. it, yeah. As opposed to, I'm assuming the limitations are still in place physically, where I'd still have to like go fly to the Louvre to look at、uh, paintings, or like, I guess. Okay, hmm, that's a hard choice. I think I would still pick the digital version,、hmm. just because like, I do love like going to museums and stuff like that. That's great, but. The impact that like being able to just listen to music anytime because that's how like what you're describing is how it was like、yeah. in the Middle Ages, right? Yes, and well, really up until like a hundred years yeah. ago. Yeah, well, even like I'm thinking because rich people, you know, in the old days would have like、um, musicians, like they would hire musicians to play like in their dining rooms or、mm-hmm. whatever.、Um, and what are they called? Minstrels, I guess, is what they would have been called back then. Sure.、Um, And so, like that was a sign of wealth, and they kind of had that access. But that was like a super wealthy thing, and most people would be lucky to hear music, you know, like actual, like professional music, like once a year or more, more infrequently than that.、Uh-huh. Whereas now, like we have music, we can have music playing twenty four seven if we want to of any genre, whatever we want, we can pick, and that's kind of, kind of a luxury. It would have been like a huge luxury back then, and so. I think it's kind of, and this was a question I was thinking about actually talking about on the podcast at once. But like, the choice between would you rather have like one minute of like the biggest pleasure in the world, like you can have this one minute of like the absolute best that humanity can experience, but then nothing else for the rest of your life, or would you rather break that one minute up into like simple small pleasures throughout your whole life? Like, which would you prefer?、Mm. And this is kind of like that. Like, would you rather like see the best art in person, like all the time, or would you rather just have your life get a little bit better consistently for your whole life and be able to experience it in that, you know? Yeah, I think the main question here is access.、Mm-hmm. I mean, you maybe will go to the Louvre once or twice if you're lucky in your life. Right. I mean, we we as Americans who yeah rarely travel will, but we we really like live music. Yeah. And I would I've never I've only seen one opera live, but I listen to a lot of opera music、uh-huh. recorded on Spotify. Yeah. And I think that it's. I don't know. It just moves me in a in a very unique way. Watching it live, watching it live, or even just listening to、uh-huh. the music, and I would be really sad if if I. I would be sad about both options,、yeah. but I think I would be more. Deep, like deeply sad about losing an experience. Okay. If I weren't able to ever go and experience. Art live in real time,、right. created by skilled people,、right. in front of me. Yeah, that's just something that I value a lot. Right, and I think that there is a couple of places where we're like fundamentally diverging. Right, one is the access. Another is like what, 
how you define art, yeah, which is like a really basic, broad question. Um, so I think we're gonna just have to agree to yeah. disagree, and yeah. but also agree that both of these are pretty important, and we also agree that we both kind of cheated with this answer. Yes. My real answer is photography. I like photography. I, if I had to pick <laughs> one of these, like sections of opera, I would say instrumentalism or like playing yeah. an instrument, uh-huh. going to the like going to an orchestra. That's I really love that. We should do it once COVID's over. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, we have time to shoot the breeze for a little while. All right. Yay. We didn't talk about pizza for too long. Why don't you start? <laughs> okay. Well, what do you want I would to talk be about? remiss if I didn't bring up Apple News in our podcast. <sighs> <laughs> so Riley's going to take a nap while we talk about the Apple car. Um, so Apple has long wanted to create an electric autonomous car, kind of like a Tesla. Um, They actually started in 2014 a project with a thousand of their employees working to develop an electric car, but they were doing it like in secret. So it had a code name and they like bought a separate um, building near their headquarters, but like not related to Apple. So they really wanted to like keep it kind of under wraps. Mm -hmm. And so they've been working on it for six years, seven years now at this point. Um, And... There have been rumors for a long time and like, you know, those leaks that you see like on the internet where it's like, oh, the new iPhone without a port, you know, kind of that kind of leak. Uh Um, But nothing's really surfaced until just last week when um, Hyundai announced that Apple was in talks with them to uh, create an Apple car, basically, Um, which (laughs) was a bad move on Hyundai's part because typically... If you break like NDAs and stuff with Apple, that doesn't go well. But basically, it's kind of sounding like their goal is to have some form of Apple car, whatever that means, in the next five to ten years, which is kind of a broad range. Like if you remember, ten years. Yeah, if you remember that episode we talked about, like the Mars trips, uh-huh. and we guessed like six years till we we're on Mars, and Apple <laughs> yeah. might not have a car by then. Like, <laughs> come on, Apple, we're going to freaking Mars. <laughs> but, uh. Yeah, so their their goal is kind of a broad range. This article says that Apple's aiming for like 2024, but most kind of industry insiders say, no, nah, they're not going to be ready until, you know, 2028 or 2030. Um, which, like, I love the idea of a car built by Apple because Apple's kind of known for, like, their main thing is being known for making things that just work and are easy for the user to use. Uh-huh. And I'm sure you've seen some of the articles where, like, people like get killed in their teslas because they turn autopilot on which isn't actually you know full self-driving it's just like advanced cruise control right but it's kind of been marketed as like your car will drive itself and so they like turn autopilot on and go to sleep and their car crashes into a barrier and kills them and so this is something i think apple might have an advantage with where they're you know coming to market slowly and they've kind of waited for other people to develop tech and they're kind of making sure it's right but man like saying hey in 10 years we're going to build something kind of is just like a bummer and it's like why even announce it at that point like, yeah <laughs> so yeah that's that's that i would probably maybe someday buy an apple car but 
they've been sounds so dumb to say an, an apple car they would have to call it something else and it couldn't be like iCar or like something dumb like that like they have to come up with a cool name for it you know a cool very it would have to sound different yeah than an apple product because to me okay to me like things like personal electronics like an iphone or an ipad or whatever they're smaller and so they can kind of have the like cutesy names to them like they don't have to be like cool necessarily they can kind of have whatever name but like when you drive like a car calling it like an iCar just sounds dumb you have to yeah, name it like your life the predator the or like a falcon or like something cool you know it has to be there's kind of a uh i guess a naming scheme in the car industry where like generally brands like kind of have a naming scheme that they go with like for example uh subaru they typically name their cars after like cool places in the world like the outback or the forest or like kind of the terrain that they're meant to be in uh-huh. in that sense and so then naming a car like the iCar would feel very dumb <laughs> yeah it sound it would sound like a joke yeah but anyway, that's our Apple news for this week. We made sure we checked that box off. What do you want to talk about? I want to talk about Rush, the band, the band? Rush. I've been listening to Rush lately, uh-huh. and I've learned that they are very polarizing. Really? People like, either love them or they hate them. Okay. Apparently, they have like a a rivalry with Motley Crue, hmm. which is interesting. Um for those of you who don't know, Rush is a prog rock band that started in 1968 and at least according to their Wikipedia ha- are not active anymore, which makes sense because in 2019 Neil Peart, the drummer, passed away. And I would say that Neil Peart was the most famous member of their group. The other members are named Alex Lifeson and Getty Lee. I think Getty Lee is a pretty recognizable looking guy. He's like really lanky and skinny and he's always wearing completely circular glasses, but they are just iconic 70s and 80s prog rock, progressive rock. And they have a fame they have many famous um records their disc their discography is amazing but the one that i am most fascinated by is called 2112 which is like a rock opera <laughs> an opera <laughs> um but it tells the story of this like alternate universe in 2112 where music is completely illegal and this guy finds a guitar behind a waterfall and he finds it and he's describing <laughs> these wires on this piece of wood and he starts strumming them and he, he builds into it and he learns the power chords and then he like shows it to the elders and the elders say, no, get rid of it. Music is not allowed. And... I honestly think that it's worth a listen. It's like 38 minutes long, the album. But it's just so cool. It tells the story of of like this whole alternate universe, kind of like Uh Anne Rand style. And 
they have a lot of like high concept music like that, which is, I think, why it's kind of polarizing. Right, because it's, it's very like, well, I don't know what the word is. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> it's all very like abstract. Conceptual. Conceptual. Yeah, that's the word I wanted. <laughs> and kind of ethereal. And the music itself is difficult. You, It's like not very hummable. Um, it's like as defined as by prog rock, it's like pretty complex and uh, changes time signature a lot. It's definitely not like a top 10 pop song. No. Um, But I think their most famous songs are The Spirit of the Radio and Tom Sawyer, if you've ever heard of either of those songs. But I just think that they're really cool. And I've always kind of heard about them in the background, like, that one, the there's always like that weird character on the TV show that has long hair and is into progressive rock from uh-huh. the 70s and is wearing a Rush shirt. Um, and you're like, okay, that guy's the weird guy. But, right. But I think that Rush is cool. Nice. The well, end. I could have sworn, because we looked this up a couple weeks ago. We looked up the band Rush because I had never heard of them or anything. So we like looked it up and I listened to one of their songs. But their is it their bassist Getty Lee? Yeah, or, yeah. He's so the, the singer ba- and bassist. Okay. So I could have sworn, like, on my life, that he was in an episode or several of Phineas and Ferb. Like, could have sworn it. And I've like looked. I like Googled. Like, was he in Phineas and Ferb as like a cameo? Like, he wasn't. Then I looked at like a ton of characters. He wasn't any of those characters. And so I was like, where the heck did I see this guy? Because I could have sworn like I saw him in Phineas and Ferb. Does that ring a bell to you? Well, I know that Phineas and Ferb has had cameos of Bowling for Soup. And there's, I mean, is it from the Love Handle episode? No, because I looked and that's what I thought. I thought their drummer was yeah. like, no, like was modeling like, Lee, But no, no I, I looked can't him up. keep time. That yeah, guy. <laughs> no, but he doesn't look at all like him. Like he kind of looks a little bit like yeah. him in the face when he's the librarian. Uh-huh. But then when he's drumming, he doesn't at all. But I could have sworn like the glasses and the long wavy hair. I was like, man, I could have sworn. So I'm like still searching because I swear that he was in Phineas and Ferb. Um, he was in I Love You, Man. That's hilarious, actually. That? It's a movie with uh, Jason Segal and someone else. Anyway, it's possible that just like I knew about the love handle stuff from Phineas and Ferb and then I had seen him like, you know, on Rolling Stone magazine or on a YouTube video or uh-huh. something. And then I just smushed them together in my brain. But I like I know Slash was in an episode of Phineas and Ferb. Yeah, um, there's been a lot of like famous musicians who yeah, have been in that show. Phineas and Ferb is an amazing show. It's a great show. But it was like I spent probably like an hour and a half one day just like looking. I was what? like, where is he? From? I couldn't find it. So I just, it's one of those uh, Berenstain Bears Mandela effects thing. Uh-huh. Go listen to that episode. That's a good episode. <laughs> but man, I just remember him being in Phineas and Ferb and he wasn't. So. All right. Yeah, that's a bummer. Well, that's going to wrap up our shoot in the breeze time. That was fun. Two broad topics. Well, one broad topic and Apple. Yeah. <laughs> I got a lot more things to shoot the breeze about, but well, you'll have to wait. Yeah. You will just have to wait. Maybe we'll have time next episode. Maybe. 
to have some unscripted hang time. All right. Thank you for listening to I Heard It on a Podcast. We've got new episodes every Monday and Wednesday that you can find any place where you listen to the things that we call podcasts, which is just us talking. Yep. Crickets. Okay. (laughs) If you liked what you heard today and you want your friends to pick a weird career as well, you should send this podcast to them. You guys can also decide that you both want to be body odor testers and you can go and do that together and it'll be great. That would be adorable. True friends. (laughs) As always, you can reach us at IHeardItOnAPodcast at gmail.com. You know what song I should be singing is that song at the end of the episode, the Love Handle episode. Uh, how does it go? How does that go? It's the like one where Doofenshmirtz is flying over. <laughs> yeah. and he's like, is that Love Handle? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that might be my.